Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Being a Fan of Disney podcast. I'm your host, Cody Havard. In this episode, Matt Dobrovolsky, Darth Vader 92, returns to talk to us about Star Wars in the parks and on Disney Plus, and about his impressions of the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, the new immersive stay experience at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And we talk about various things um, dealing with Star Wars and also with the company and a little bit about the Disney shareholder meeting. We chose to stick to those things that are happening in the parks and in or on Disney Plus. And it was a really, really fun time. I really like when Matt has the opportunity to speak with us and share his expertise and opinions. Um, it was a really, really fun time, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Please come along with us on our adventure. Okay, class, welcome back. Um, and I want to welcome back Matt Dobrovolsky, who is coming to us for a second time to talk to us about the new Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel. Um, aside from that, though, uh, Matt is a huge Star Wars fan, um, so he's spoken with us before about that. He is a huge Disney fan. He is a cast member, um, and also he graduated with a degree in hospitality um, from the Rosen College at the University of Central Florida. So there are so many things that I want to talk to Matt about um, the hotel, but also aside from the hotel as well. Um, and so it's kind of one of those things I asked Matt to talk about the hotel and then all of this other stuff started happening and I started thinking about all this other stuff. And so I want to get some, some reactions on that as well. I, I also will say um, because we are focusing in on the hotel and some of the things that have happened um, and the parks and things like that, um, there, there are some other things that, that, we'll have a class discussion about that um, at a later date that we're not really focusing on here. Um, but by way of that long introduction, I want to welcome Matt back. And Matt, for people who maybe did not hear or watch the first time you were on, could you give us that quick recap of how you got here to where you are today? Nah, they should just watch the first uh, episode again. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so I've been a fan of Disney for since I was basically as early as I can remember in my childhood. Um, been going to Disney ever since when I was living up in New Jersey. And it was about in like middle school-ish, high school that I knew that I wanted to work for Disney uh, for the rest of my life. So I made it a point to try and come down to Florida to get my degree. And uh Obviously didn't succeed the first time around by going right down here to begin four-year college. So I did my community college back home just to knock out the gen ed courses. And then I was accepted down to UCF for the rest of the four-year program. So did all the amazing hospitality uh, management courses that we have at UCF and got to work for a Disney legend, Ron Logan, who was a professor over at Rosen. So I got to learn from him. Uh, and then I began my full career here at Disney. Uh, before that, I was working at my local Disney store back home. And I came down here for the college program for four months as well. So I've 
done nothing but work with Disney since I was 18. So 11 years now, and I've been doing nothing but Disney work, which is incredible. I never thought I'd be saying that in my lifetime that I've only worked for Disney. Even even technically working for Ron was working for a Disney legend. So uh, once I graduated UCF, I went full time with the parks here. I've been doing numerous attraction works. Uh, I opened uh, the Fast Pass Plus team at Magic Kingdom in 2014. Then I went over to Epcot and I worked Mission Space, Test Track, and Spaceship Earth. Uh, then I got the chance to open Star Wars Launch Bay, which just propelled my Star Wars adventure that I've basically had now for the past uh, five, six, seven years, whatever it's been now. Uh, after my time at Launch Bay, I got to do a couple of years over at Star Tours, and I was a trainer over there. Got to also work Muppet Vision and the Jedi Training Academy over there as well. And then the amazing opportunity presented itself to me, and I got to open Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Hollywood Studios. I got to do uh, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, but I was also part of the opening team for the amazing Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, to which I'm still working today. And I'm also now a trainer over there as well, again, so. So uh, thanks for that introduction. And um, I mean, you've done so much and there's two things that I thought of when you were talking about that. For, For those of us who don't really know what it means, you. On some things you said you worked and some things you said you opened. Um, tell us what it means when you open an attraction as a cast member. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity because you get to, you have this privilege, if you will, an honor to basically say, you see this building here? I was there opening day and bringing in the opening day uh, guess, you know, I, I had that opportunity to do that. And yes, you get the amazing privilege to when, you know, I was working at Star Tours, obviously I didn't open Star Tours, but you still had that amazing opportunity to say, yeah, I worked in this building, but it's a different sense of honor that you can say, I was here opening day. And I think that's what a lot of cast members usually see. Okay. All right. And then when you, um, when you are training for opening like galaxy's edge, what was, what was the training process for that? And then galaxy's edge, um, also millennium Falcon smugglers run and then rise of the resistance. Like, like what kind of training goes into that for you as a cast member? So I will say this training for a new operation that in the case of rise of the resistance this is an experience unlike anything that's ever been done before so to have that sense of we don't even know what's going on to the point where now you know you have to learn this okay um how do we do that so they you know they they write throughout what are what is called our operating guide to say this is you know the proper procedure and everything mm-hmm. of how we're going to be loading how we're going to be grouping guests etc 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 um and you know you you can write that in stone on a piece of paper but it's going to get changed because the behavior of guests 
will change to what we originally think they will be. So when you write it down, we try it. And then we say, well, we can't really do it this way because they're reacting this way. So we have to change that way. And that's how, you know, updates essentially come out to cast members on an opening team. Okay. All right. And then um, another thing I was thinking when you were talking about your introduction um, and not to put you on the spot or not to, not to be that, you know, not to say the word five years or whatever. Um, but you said you, you knew you wanted to work for Disney for the rest of your life. Um, if you, in your kind of optimal view, um, what, what would you like to be doing for the rest of your career? Do you want to be in the parks, um, as uh, in attractions? Are there other areas that you're interested in, in, in looking at? Really, like for me, it would just be parks and resorts, okay. but I'm open to everything. Like right now, I'm also trying to look at Disney Cruise Line jobs okay. as well, because I've always had like the mindset ever since my first Disney Cruise, wouldn't it be great to work on a work with the ships, not necessarily on the ship, Yeah. because um, I don't think I could do six months away from my family and everything like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, as long as the opportunity presents itself and you know, it's a great opportunity. I want to do it. Yeah. Um, well, very, very cool. And thanks for that. The, um, so I guess the, the first thing that I want to get your reaction to is um, yesterday, there was the Disney shareholder call. Um, and um, I think a lot of people, I saw a lot of people online. Um, I think they misunderstood that it was a shareholder call and how shareholder calls go. Um, it was not 2020 Disney investor day when, you know, Disney was essentially saying, look at everything we're doing for the next three or four years and, and look at what we're doing on Disney plus. And in all honesty, we did get that from Chapek a little bit. You know, <laughs> we, he was talking about like, Oh, guardians of the galaxy is still coming to Epcot. They're slowly still working on Tron for magic kingdom. Um, so, you know, he's still, talked about the things that are happening yeah and so there and on that there there were um some announcements there obviously were you know i, I think people were also exposed to how question and answering sessions go in shareholder calls and it's it's not always what people expect it is not a it is not an event that is purely produced it is an event where shareholders are there to ask about the business questions and they're they they asked several questions about the business side some of the the, the responses from the company and everything um but as i said i i we're going to focus it's better for us to focus on kind of the the announcements that were made um so i just want to get your reaction to what you heard in the shareholder call as far as uh, some of the things that are coming for fans of Disney. Yeah. I think really in all honesty, the thing that surprised me was that we finally got the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer, mm -hmm. which we knew it was coming. We just didn't know when. And I'm glad that we finally got it for the shareholders meeting, at least. Um, I'm very shocked that we didn't get an opening date officially announced for guardians coming to epcot um and the fact that it was just kind of 
the rest of the stuff was just kind of glanced over. Like Tron, for example, you know, it was just, hey, we're still working on Tron. Okay, do you want to at least say like next year it's going to open or, you know, it, there could have been more opportunities for announcements, but at the same time, like you were just kind of saying, shareholders meeting isn't necessarily where we make huge announcements or anything like that. It's more of this is what's still going on. This is why you should continue to be a shareholder, if anything. And, um, you know, I know in, in the, the past for the last um, now actually three shareholder meetings, they've been virtual um, because of the pandemic. Um, and I, I know in the past when they were live or in-person events, they, they would be wherever they were held in the convention center, wherever the city was, they, they would have, you know, characters there and basically where it was almost a fan event um, where people could, you know, take pictures with, with different characters like star Wars characters and all of that. Um, so it, it's, it's been a little different approach the last few times um, that, that it's had to been virtual. Right. I do also think that it opens up the door to more people being able to attend or being able to like kind of be in on the loop without. Because I will just... say this, I have always wanted to go to a shareholders meeting, but it just never works out because it's like thousands of miles away from me or something like that. Um, and it's like in the middle of the week when I'm usually working, if anything. Um, so having these virtual meetings is actually really nice because last year's virtual meeting, I actually got to ask JPEG a question as a shareholder. So that was, you know, a really cool opportunity to be able to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it, it, it's one of the things that there, there are so many things that have come out of the pandemic um, that it, there's, there's so many negative things that have happened because of the pandemic, but because of that, there are, or because everything is, has to go virtual there are more opportunities for, for certain things as well. So I, I think this is one of those. Um, another thing that I wanted to get your reaction on is uh, before we get into the Galactic Star Cruiser is um, you just got back from a Disney cruise. Um, so real quickly, I also wanted to get your reactions on that. A much needed vacation. <laughs> I will <laughs> definitely say that. Um, you know, we've been technically planning this cruise now since uh, 2021. Uh, but, you know, obviously got canceled because of the pandemic. Um, we were supposed to, it was supposed to be a New Orleans cruise, but then we switched it to out of Canaveral. Um, I have missed Disney Cruise Line so much. And the fact that these ships are not sailing at full capacity is a huge plus. It is a huge plus right now. We found out that there was only about 2,400 people on board mm -hmm. and normally it sells out at about 4,000. Okay. So there's definitely a lot less people on board and it really shows. Now I could sit here all day and talk about like, you know, they were doing some social distancing stuff wrong. Um, basically they were, how Disney World was when they were slowly increasing the capacity, but not getting rid of any more of the social distancing. So for example, uh, there was the first night they did the Match Your Mate show in one of the adult lounges. 
And we really wanted to go to that. And if we didn't get there a half an hour before, we wouldn't have made it in because they're still doing social distancing throughout the lounge. So they're skipping tables and everything like that. They're keeping that distance between you and other parties. And I'm like, that's nice, but you've increased the capacity on board. There are more people on board that want to go do this stuff and they can't because you haven't increased the capacity in those venues. So what I hope Disney Cruise Line does is I think starting with tomorrow's sailing on the dream, you do not, they're not requiring face coverings indoors now. So does that mean that we're going to finally see some social distancing being relaxed? I think only time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also um, for people wondering um, currently or right now uh, you have to have a, a negative test or have a, a doctor's note that you have been positive within the last 90 days, because that's kind of recognized as the, the 90 days after a positive test are recognized as. Um, and the test is performed on embarkation day. Yeah. yeah. So literally us, we pulled up to the port, we dropped off our luggage, we paid for parking and they, we swabbed our noses and waited about a half an hour. Yeah. It was the most grueling half an hour of my life. <laughs> All the anxiety was coming out of me at that point. You can ask my wife. She, she was like, Matt, you have to calm down. I'm like, I can't because if I test positive, then our, our vacation is over. Did, so, um, but once we got that clear to sail, I was like, oh, thank God. Let's go have a vacation now. Did, did, so did you test beforehand? So you would have a little piece oh, of mind? Oh, I was testing. I must've done like six tests within the last three weeks before okay. the cruise. Okay. Um, we actually, we were staying at uh, the Homewood Suites that's on A1A there in Cape Canaveral uh, the night before. Cause I just said, I don't really want to wake up at the butt crack yeah. at dawn and have to drive all the way out there. So we stayed out there the morning before and I brought covid test for me and my yeah. wife just to just to take in the morning just to say okay we're negative right now we should be negative over yeah. the port and it you know it is it, it it's would be a nerve-wracking experience especially especially like parking unloading your your luggage and all of that and then like possibly having to having to leave because i will say my mother actually had to deal with it back in january okay she went yeah. with her and her three friends Three out of the four tested negative, but one of her friends tested positive. So all four of them were out. Yeah, yeah. And it yeah, was the, a grueling experience. Yeah, it's a very tough experience to. Um, so the 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 next thing is um, your reaction to the last year and a half of disney plus content in the star wars space i mean we've had the second season of mandalorian we've had visions um we had the bad batch um we just had the book of boba fett we now have aka mandalorian season 2.5 <laughs> yeah and <you laughs> let's know, be the, real let's be real the 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 funny thing to me about about book of boba fett is it was and I've heard somebody say, I've heard somebody explain it as this, maybe they were planning to do a movie and then um, it wasn't going to be a movie because uh, uh, for whatever reason. And they said, here, can we kind of make it a limited series? 
Um, and throw in some other Mandalorian stuff in there because this is part of, I, I've even, I've even seen after the book of Boba Fett was released, um, Disney kind of advertise it as they didn't call it the Mandoverse, but sort of like that, that it, it's, it's all connected. Um, because one of the funny things to me was if it was happening in real time, and obviously these are filmed far in advance, but it's as though through the first four episodes, somebody said, we may be in a little bit of trouble. So let's bring back Mandalorian because people love that. And by the way, we need to tease and then, and then bring back baby Yoda because that's, that was lightning in a bottle. We, we need to, we need that back. Um, but overall, what, what are your impressions of the last year and a half of Disney plus programming in star Wars? It's, it's unbelievable to think we are in the year 2022 and we've had this much star Wars content, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I can still think back to when I was a kid uh, in 2005 when Revenge of the Sith came out and I got a whole bunch of my friends together and we went to see opening day Revenge of the Sith and we just said to ourselves, okay, this is it. This is all the Star Wars that we're ever going to get in our lifetime. And who would have thought that in 2012 when Bob Iger said, we're buying Star Wars from George Lucas and we've gotten all of this 10 years later. It's incredible. And it's just, it's only the tip of the iceberg. Like we still have Ahsoka coming. We've still got all these new movies. We've got Andor, we've got Obi-Wan Kenobi. And there's still more storytelling that they can do. It's, it's unbelievable what we've got. Yeah. And um, you think there will ever be a um, Galaxy's Edge? series i want to put across them in all honesty it's we've already gotten like the comic book series that came mm -hmm. out from marvel that like talks about the beginnings of galaxy's edge in like the uh like between episode six and seven so there is a possibility i mean me and my wife have talked about it like oh what if like one of these episodes of Mandalorian sees them going to Batu, mm -hmm. and we finally are able to now have Mandalorian and Grogu in Galaxy's Edge in Florida and California. I wouldn't put across them. It's it's called synergy. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> I, I the first season of Mandalorian, I expected the last episode for him to make an appearance on, on Batu, just for that reason. So then the next day they have Mandalorian and Baby Grogu walking through. Or I guess strolling, floating. I will always say Galaxy's the problem Edge. that we continuously have with Galaxy's Edge is that we are set in a specific storyline. We're set mm -hmm. between episodes eight and nine. Avengers Campus in California mm -hmm. does not have that problem. They are just there. They can have um, Thor and Loki walking around together. Um, they can. They could have. Um, vision just walking around even though he's dead you know it, it's continuity is not a thing out there continuity is a thing though here in mm -hmm. galaxy's edge and it can be a blessing it could be a curse as well i've always said having an immersive themed 
uh, environment is incredible. But at the same time, there are those people that just want a Star Wars land. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, you know, we'll talk about it in a few minutes, but the immersive themed environment, that's what we're getting with Galactic Star Cruiser. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was I was about to say that with Avengers Campus, it like kind of operates as part of like the multiverse sort of where then you could bring in characters and it does it. So so then whatever movie comes out, whatever Disney Plus show comes out, whatever product they have, they can just plop the characters straight into Avengers Campus. And we've seen that. We've seen that with when Shang-Chi came out. Mm-hmm. It was like the next day Shang-Chi was there in Avengers Campus. Yep. When Loki was premiering, every single episode yep. right after it premiered, you saw that Loki variant. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool that they can do that. Um, and, you know, another thing that I think is, is, is interesting with specific to Star Wars they, they do it with Marvel. They, they definitely have um, now where they're starting to tell stories through different mediums. It looks like maybe Multiverse of Madness is going to deal with some of the stuff that happened in What If. So you're dealing with different mediums. I'm so ready for that movie. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's, it's going to be very, very exciting. It's going to be interesting. We actually, um, side note, we have, me and three colleagues have been planning a book about how the MCU can be used as um, for doctoral students training because a few years last year I I wrote a paper um, or we wrote a paper about um, how it can be used to progress a research line Um, and then for that was two years ago and then since then we've been planning well could we use this as like training for doctoral programs and everything um, and actually, we held off on it so long because one of the chapters we wanted to write about was the X-Men um, and how the X-Men would kind of be a stand in for a doctoral program with people training and all that. And um, and then the pandemic comes. Everything is delayed, 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 because I wanted to wait until things were actually introduced into the MCU. And now it at least on from uh Patrick himself and on IMDb has been confirmed that Professor X should be in Multiverse of Madness. There's also heavily rumored that maybe a Fantastic Four character of some sort will be in there. Um, so now, like, we're actually moving. I was going to say, though, Project, have you seen but... Patrick Stewart's uh, interview that he did for uh, someone asked him, you know, what can you comment about Doctor Strange? And all he says is, who's Doctor Strange? <laughs> No, I haven't seen that one. I'm like, oh, you're going to try and pull this one, Patrick? Okay. I haven't seen that one. I saw one of, he has one of the best responses I've heard from anybody about um, people when he said, you know, over the years, a lot of people have done his voice and sometimes do his voice better than he has. So he he doesn't really know where that came from. That that may be... This is the same thing that Andrew Garfield was trying to pull with (laughs) No Way Home. Oh yeah, I'm not in that movie. No, no, we saw your pictures. Come on. <laughs> well, and it, it what what Patrick Stewart said may be the best um, cover slash sort of troll um, up there with um, what Paul Bettany said about Wandavision when he said he he's he got to work with an actor he's always admired he's always wanted to work yep. with 
And then at the very end, you see oh, he is, he's working with himself. This is great. Um, so, but one thing that, that they do that in the Marvel universe, tell it through different mediums. In Star Wars, it seems like that has been the norm is to tell it through different mediums. And a lot of that, I think, was because the movies were so far spread out. Um, so you did have comics kind of filling in the gaps and you had books filling in the gaps. And, you know, this class is a, is called being a fan of Disney. It, a lot of those books were fan service that then because of their popularity essentially became canon in star Wars. Um, and now you are seeing kind of just the next steps of this that the story is being told through the movies through the comics the books or the novels through um but also through disney plus through galaxy's edge you know the first time i went to galaxy's edge was um actually two weeks after it opened and i was really worried because i had two small kids uh, they hadn't really seen a lot of star wars then um, and I thought they were pretty young. So some of the stormtroopers kind of scared them a little bit. And we were trying to get to Toy Story Land. And that's like a direct path through to get to Toy Story Land. So that was my real fear the first time we went, even though I am a very big Star Wars fan. Um, and but when we got back, I had a much greater appreciation for Galaxy's Edge when I started listening to the Galaxy's Edge novels. Um, the novels that that Lucasfilm and Disney had put out. Um, and so there's this story and narrative being told over different mediums that I think is, is, like you said, can be good and can be negative at some times, but is a very, very interesting thing that they do with Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I, you know, even to counter that, I was, you know, thinking about this the other day. One of my most grueling comments about rise of skywalker is poe's line somehow palpatine returned okay it never sets up how palpatine came back but that's what we have the books for that's what we have mm -hmm. the comics for that's what we have disney plus for now they could tell that story of how palpatine came back and that's kind of something that marvel has but yes like we're saying star wars does have that and we can tell those stories now. Mm -hmm. Will they tell it? Who knows? Yeah. But they have that ability too. Yeah. And one thing that I also, I've, I'm undecided on how I feel about it um, is like, and I think about it from like, let's say in Marvel, Multiverse of Madness has some things that happen from what if. And I'm thinking, okay, so now do you need to watch all of the animated shows? Do you need to see if you are a casual, if you're an invested fan, you're probably watching all that anyway. But if you're a casual fan, do you need to watch all of this? Do you need to watch every single Disney plus show? Do you need to read the comics? And if there's novels out and do you eventually, do you need to go to Avengers campus to kind of understand some of the things that are going to go on in some of these movies. And so 
it's it's great service for people who are the app the adamant fans i'm gonna counter that we have to do the same thing with star wars well and that that's where i was getting yeah. is like it for the for the people who are casual fans and i'm a pretty big star wars fan but i i haven't read a lot of the comics i watched the bad batch i watched a few episodes of rebels when it first came out a few episodes of clone wars when it came. i didn't watch the last season of the clone wars on disney plus although i heard it's amazing um (laughs) the um as like for me and people who are more casual fans than myself where do you think they fit in with the storytelling of star wars can they enjoy everything or is it something where somebody can enjoy just what they see or do you really need to kind of dive into everything in order to get the full picture and like a more appreciative picture i guess i i would say it can work it's like a two-way street think of it like that my parents um they were watching book of boba fett and they had no idea who the blue guy was Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of episode six and I, I had to explain to him that's cad bane we see him in clone wars and rebels and you know he's the bounty hunter that basically uh trained boba fett and i think us super fans know and i wouldn't even call myself a super fan because i don't watch everything um there are sometimes when i see stuff too that it's just like oh who is this and i need to like dive in and figure it out oh okay that's so-and-so they're from this so to me at least when that happens i will now invest a little bit of time to watch whatever that is Mm -hmm. because now i think my parents kind of want to watch the beginning of clone wars to understand who really cad bane really is um so i think there are those people that you know they're doing a service by showing cad bane in live action for that reason and they're showing, oh my God, it's Cad Bane. I, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm seeing this. Um, and then you have those people who are like, wait, who is that? Now I need to go try and figure out who this is. Yeah. Uh, we're having that now with the Kenobi trailer that just came out. The Grand Inquisitor is in there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are saying, wait, who is that? And we're, we as fans know that that's the Grand Inquisitor from Rebels that we see. So we have to say, hey, you know, this is someone from Rebels. This is know some someone that you should kind of pay attention to if anything the another another thing on that topic is there were two things that happened in the book of boba fett that to me it kind of deals with this story storytelling narrative one was an episode i believe was episode four when you see, um, and I, I'm going to say his name incorrectly, the, the, the Wookiee. How do you say his name? Oh. Carsantum? Yeah. Chrysantum. Yeah. 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 When you see him in the bar and um, like he gets in a fight and rips somebody's arm off, um, it just kind of in the, in the show, it seemed like well, he's a pretty aggressive person, isn't he? And, you know, even when um, he stopped and it's explained to him, basically, like, 
these aren't your gladiator days. You don't need to do this. Um, and then he rips, you know, he rips the character's arm off and it's kind of brutal and everything. And they sort of make a joke about it. Um, I heard after that, that in the novels and in the comics, there's a big, there's a long backstory between Wookiees and um, remind me of who the, the other character, what, what species the other characters were. Do you remember? Um, so this is why I can't call myself a super fan. <laughs> but it, it's okay. The, so there's a, there's a long history between those two species that essentially the species that I can't think of the name of um, would, would take Wookiees and make them work in the, the spice mines and everything. And so there's this long kind of negative history between those, but they didn't explain that in the show. Right. So for a casual fan, you're just thinking like, whoa, that's, this is pretty aggressive. This is kind of weird. And then when I listened to that and I, I heard someone explain that, I said, hey, that is like a really, really cool story. That would have been, and that could have been like a one or two line thing to address that rather than say, you know, like, I, this isn't your gladiator days. You don't need to do this anymore. They, they could have said like, I know they've been bad to your people. Right. No, they have made you work in the, the spice mines and everything like that. Um, and then and on the same token at the end, in the last episode where there where Cad Bane and Boba Fett had the conversation, it didn't seem like it was very well established that they had a long history. They made mention of it. You know, I think there was one or two lines, but a little bit more of that backstory. So to you, does that seem like something that was sort of left on the table and should have been addressed in the shows? Or is it something similar to if you are a comic book fan what would happen where you have the little bubble that says go back and read this issue or you know was it something that kind of encourages people to go learn more about that i i really think it is that in, that encouraging factor because you can't cater to a specific niche market if you will um Whereas you're trying to appeal to everyone that loves Star Wars in this case. Uh, and we'll talk about it in a few minutes with Star Cruiser. I th personally think Star Cruiser is actually choosing the inverse way of doing it with appealing to only a specific group of people. Um, and I think that's an issue that we could run into at one point. But what I think would disney and lucasfilm are trying to do at least is they're trying to appeal to those people by having that you know moment with the history and everything with cad bane and boba fett for example but still keeping with the generalization of the story for the people that may not necessarily know that and then it just like i said it encourages those people to now go and watch clone wars to yeah. just dive deeper into that story if they so choose for that. Matter. Yeah. Um, so to, to kind of close up on, on this portion of it um, overall, like what, what's your reaction to the Obi-Wan trailer? How, how, how much oh, you should are you have looking seen me? I was squealing that? in the magic kingdom parking lot yesterday because <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking back to my car from the park 
And, you know, I'm listening into the shareholders meeting and then Bob Chapek saying, you know, and we have our most anticipated series, Obi-Wan Kenobi premiering on May 25th. Here's the first trailer. I'm like, um, I started squealing really when Duel of the Fates started playing. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that we didn't get to see uh, Hayden Christensen as Vader. I'm glad that we got the photo that just got released this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you saw that one, but I saw it because you shared it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's giving me the hype that I def- desperately want for this uh, series. I don't get me wrong. I've had this, but I've always said a trailer can just reel you in even mm-hmm. more in that case. Um, and I've had people say, Oh, you don't need to do a trailer for Kenobi. They, they've already got everyone wanting to go see it. I'm like, yeah, but that's just us. What about all these people, you know, like my parents that aren't that truly invested in Star Wars, Mm -hmm. but, you know, they still want to get a grasp of what's going on at least. Mm -hmm. Um, This is going to be a really cool series. And it's just six episodes. That's it. I think it's going to be really cool. So do you think it could... I... On a personal level, I enjoyed Book of Boba Fett. I think on a broader level, I'm not sure. To me, the jury still seems to be out where I think if people watch, the more people watch it, they might enjoy it a little bit more. I think a lot of people felt like it was confusing in places and maybe, uh, you know, could have been tied up a little bit tighter in places. But a character like Obi-Wan Kenobi, does that run the risk of this really has to perform well and it really has to deliver? Or could it be something that is disappointing to a lot of people, casual fans and big Star Wars fans? Um, Or is it just, I mean, you know, I I think we also get lost in um, the, the details sometimes and like you said earlier, we've now had 10 years of like 10 years after Disney purchased Star Wars, we have all of this stuff. Um, And and I think sometimes we get lost in the fact that entertainment is there to entertain. And it doesn't mean like, we don't have to nitpick everything. Um, So but does that does the series have that kind of possibility? Oh, I think every really has to deliver possibility. Okay. Um, it's all about how it's it's delivered to the fans. They could really mess this thing up. But I think just by watching that trailer alone, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, every everyone has their hesitation about a project, a film, whatever. But until you actually see it come out, then you can truly give your opinions on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've said this before about anything that Disney really delivers. Let me wait and see it for real. Um, you know, Star Cruiser is a perfect example. My hype was built up for Star Cruiser when they said, oh, you're going to be living your Star Wars life. Okay, this sounds cool. And then the price point came out and we were like, oh, this is not looking that great. 
you have to wait until you actually do it. Because when mm -hmm. I actually got to walk into Star Cruiser, all of that just left my mind. It is so difficult for someone like myself as a YouTuber with videotaping, okay? So I was videotaping all this stuff for uh, John uh, from Big Fat Panda. And the lightsaber training, for example, is so difficult to film because it really is an experience. I want people to realize that, like, I did my best that I could, but you really have to experience this for yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't leave a judgment on something just by seeing it until you actually do it. And that's really what we see with the series as well. Any series for that matter. We have to say, okay, well, this looks interesting. You know, I have to give it a shot. Let me watch it. And then I'll reserve judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good segue to, it's a better segue than I could have done. So thank you <laughs> to Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, and what I want to start with is there, what was really interesting to me is whenever Disney opens a new land, a new hotel or anything, they have a media day or they have, they have multiple media days where people go and, and it, it's like from local media, television stations, newspapers and all that. But also because I think one thing that Disney does very well is they recognize the power of people like yourself. And I know you, you were there on behalf of, of John Sakari and Big Fat Panda, but they, they recognize um, how powerful a platform social media is mm -hmm. and content creators are. Um, that content creators get invited. And one thing that I saw around the, the media days is and I think it started months and months earlier when they announced the price point because it is a very high price point, and there definitely is an the idea that and the, the academic theories that the higher the price point really just opens up a person's kind of like ability to be more negative about it and complain about it. Mm -hmm. um, that's frankly been that's always been one of my biggest issues with college football that when you're paying when somebody's paying more than $100 to go to a game they are expecting this is going to be professional and everything's going to be perfect these aren't 18 to 22 23 year old kids who could make mistakes and have bad days and they you know um so it it opens the door to more negativity because of the price point and you do have to develop you do have to deliver i will also say too it opens the door to more scrutiny Yes. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the parks right now, with them consistently increasing the price of a day ticket, more scrutiny will come out yeah. on the parks. Like, oh, you know, we may not have addressed this, uh, you know, overflowing trash can before, but now that we're paying a little bit more to come into this park, and yeah. you're not really cleaning up. And you and and rightfully so that it it it, it brings more scrutiny. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just kind of. In, in the business world, that's what happens when you, when you raise price, you raise expectations and, and everybody knows that. And I'm not saying a company like an organization like Disney doesn't know that. Um, but what's really interesting to me about the, the star cruiser 
was I saw a lot of negativity focused toward the content sharers and the content providers. And, and um, I even saw people like, you know, making comments like, hey, of course, you have to say something positive because you're there on Disney's behalf. And, and of course, you're going to do this. And, and so I want to get your impressions on that. And, and as part of that, also, um, just kind of talk a little bit about you are a content provider, you do this because you like it. But also, this is, it, it's a hobby, but it, it's you, it's taken very seriously. I mean, it's like a job. And, and if some people, that is their sole source of income. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it is very much a job that if you're not being honest with people, then ascent, then eventually that's going to come back to, to get you. Right. Um, so, so what was your reaction to some of that? Because this, this is really the first time that I've seen that level yeah. of negativity toward content. And, and really it's been a problem forever. You know, they all come out saying, oh, this is amazing. And then the actual people step in and they say, no, this is, this is crap. What, what are you talking about? They all have this mentality that they have to say good things. So in this way, they can keep going back to do this kind of stuff. In my professional opinion, whenever someone gets invited for this stuff, they should never, ever, ever, ever review it. You, if you want to review it, pay your own rate and do it. Okay. That's why anything that I'm talking about today about Star Cruiser, I, I, I'm talking about little opinions, but I can't give full blown opinions because I'm not reviewing this. Yeah. I didn't pay the $5,000 to go onto the Star Cruiser and actually do a full time. I can't even really even truly say it because I was only in there for four hours. Mm -hmm. I got a chance to see some of the stuff. I got to do the lightsaber training. I got to try some of the food. I got to do the whole bridge thing, but I didn't get the full experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's so integral for these people to start realizing is that they should be going in there, showcasing it, mm -hmm. showcasing this is what we got to do and let the public form their own opinions. They should not be voicing their opinions until they actually are doing this on their own dollar. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a really good way to put it. And, and I'll point out that um, just in, I've had conversations with, with John where he's said similar. Um, and I'll also point out that um, uh, Lou Mangiello, I think did a really good job of, of pointing out things to know about the cruise and things that he enjoyed, Correct. but he was very upfront in the beginning and, and actually spoke, spent a few minutes talking about it. I thought did a very good job saying, you know, is, is, is the price point worth it to you? And, and, and that is all dependent on, you know, if you're a sports fan, is it worth $2,500 to go to the Super Bowl? If you are right. a fan of shoes, is it worth, paying $400 for this parish, like things like that. And it's all it's like going to relative. a theme park is paying a hundred plus dollars yeah. a day 
to go into the magic kingdom worth it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that we as a consumer pay to a business, it is all up to the consumer to say, is this worth it to me? Yeah. And so, and I, so I think I, I wanted to first address that um, now on to the, the hotel itself and the experience. And I kind of want to talk about your, what you got to do with the impressions of the hotel and the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I want to get your views on, and you mentioned you were there for four hours. You weren't there for two days right. or you weren't there for the three days, two nights. You didn't have the, uh, you didn't have the excursion to Batu, right? Correct. I didn't even get a chance to step into the shuttle. Okay. Um, which or the I, box truck is. I, I, that's a, I, I love all the aerial pictures. I see of, it like, all the, the time when I'm work, and... walking into work backstage. I see the box truck and I'm like, that's the shuttle. Okay. <laughs> but, um, where, so when they do that, where do they enter Batu? Um, so when you're looking at the Thai echelon, Okay. And you have to your left of the first order cargo store to the left of that okay. was just this wall originally. But now that wall is opened up and it directs you to a little pathway backstage, if you will, um, to where the shuttle would pick you up. So then as, as part of the store, and I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but as part of the story for that, I know part of the story is you're going down to an excursion to Batu. You're taking mm-hmm. a transport down. Um, like, is that is is that so, in the story? Is that supposed to be like the the terminal where you go, or is it like you just kind of happen in on Batu? Like, do you know that story? By my understanding, yes, it is like so. In the story of Batu, there are. Uh, docking bays. Mm-hmm. So we have docking bay seven, which is the the food mm-hmm. uh, restaurant. The docking bay itself is where you see the shuttle that's parked on top of the building. Okay, uh, that is one of the docking bays, if you will, of transports that are coming in. Um, we as cast have even taken it a, a little step further to basically say, you know, those of us that live on Batu. That's kind of like one of the shuttles that we would take to come into work okay. every day. So, you know, it, it's, it is one of those shuttles and, you know, it, it's kind of wrapping you into the story. Um, but overall it is creating that immersive storyline. Now for those people that want to get off the shuttle and they want to go do some of the stuff in galaxy's edge, and then decide to go off into Toy Story Land, that's breaking your own immersion. So go for <laughs> yeah, it. You, I mean. you, you do whatever you need to do at that point. <laughs> um, the, so do you think in the future, and I, I, I haven't seen any of the signage around there, if it says like to transport or whatever, do you think in the future they would build a terminal in Galaxy's Edge um, that, it, that, that people could access and then like you can't you can't get you can't go through a certain gate if you're not staying at the hotel as a way to sort of maybe grease the will a little bit of people on the that are thinking, hey, maybe I want to do this one day and maybe not. Well, look, that person like they're exclusive. They get to do this. So I, right. I want to do that. Do you think they will ever do that in the future? It's hard to say 
because I mean, you already have that for the most part with the Halcyon guests. Um, you know, a, an average day guest to Hollywood Studios will walk into Galaxy's Edge and they'll see the people coming off the shuttle and they'll say, hmm, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so they, they get to do that, but I don't. They'll get the lightning lanes onto Smuggler's Run and Rise of the Resistance. Oh, that that's kind of nice. They get to do that and I don't. I would have to go stand in the standby line if I want to ride this. So to really answer your question, I think it, it's a possibility that they could do something like that, but it's, it's almost something that's kind of happening right now to a point. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and on that it has, has the opening of the hotel and it's been open a week now or close to two weeks now. Um, has that impacted the availability of people getting lightning lanes and genie plus for smugglers run and for rise of the resistance from what i've personally seen no okay, okay. um because you have to remember the star cruiser itself is only just 100 cabins okay. that are in there so if it's completely sold out and you and you, you're figuring there's four people to a room which on average there probably isn't um that's only 400 people on this yeah so i don't think it's necessarily helping at all um but really quick too i, I want to talk about because you keep calling it a hotel other people are calling it hotels too i'm going to be the person that says this is nowhere close to being a hotel it really is an experience in its own yeah you're, you're living a star wars adventure and they could have easily just built, in my opinion, a Grand Floridian Star Wars themed. And they could have said, this is a Star Wars hotel. Come and enjoy yourself. Do whatever you want. They took it a step further and they went for the fully immersive environment. Yeah. Now, now again, as we were talking earlier, that could be a blessing. That could be a curse. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to like, be derogatory to you saying don't call it a hotel or anything no 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 uh, that's but it, it really it just really isn't it really and, isn't and so on that note and, and no offense taken it, it, it's kind of derivative to refer to it as that um in one term or like you know say the term hotel rather than immersive experience when i'm mm -hmm. talking about it the the on that note though what is the story of Galactic Star Cruiser? Because you were on the Halcyon, which is, I mean, it was like, it's a Star Cruiser from the High Republic days, right? Correct. So it's their, they're celebrating their 175th anniversary or some of that, or 275th. I, all I remember is like the 75th at the end of it. Um, and they're celebrating by doing their inaugural voyage to Batu. Okay. Um, or, or it's their, it, they used to do voyages to Batu, but now they're doing it again. Yeah. Um, so you think at the beginning, this is just a, a Star Wars, you know, I'm, I'm in the Star Wars experience, but I'm not fully immersed into the resistance and the first order and everything until the first order shows up on your first day. And they're taking control of the ship to a point because they believe resistance people are on board and they want to snuff them out. And then 
you know, Rise of the Resistance really puts you in the clim a climactic battle between the Resistance and the First Order. This is taking it even a step further mm -hmm. by, you know, what you do can have consequences and it can have actions to the party that you're dealing with. So you can take the route and be with the First Order. And Lieutenant Croy, who's on board, can give you special missions. He can give you special missions while you're on the streets of Batu for your excursion the next day. Um, likewise, you can also join the resistance fighters that are on board and do missions for the resistance on board and do missions for the resistance in Galaxy's Edge. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really unlike anything anyone has ever done before. And I, I hope that the price point can come down so then this way more people can enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, that, that when you talk about the level of immersion and also active play, I mean, what I, what I have heard and read about this is it really is as immersive as you want it to be. Mm -hmm. if, if you want to go in costume, go in costume if because for adults at least pre-pandemic costumes were not allowed in the parks um but here they are and if you if you want to go and or if you want to have a costume and you don't have one well you can get one there and so you can be as immersed as you want if you want to be more of a wallflower you can be um the the level of immersion do you think because of the level of immersion is this a is it going to be a storyline and i don't want to say static storyline because it always changes depending on what you do you could go back i think you could go back 10 times and have a different storyline every time based on the decisions that you make it's almost if like you've one also of those... got fifty thousand dollars in that case too. <laughs> yeah it's it, it's like it's like one of those uh, choose your own adventure books. Mm -hmm. That is, a, this is it a really choose is. your own adventure experience. Um, do you think in a few years they will need to, or they ever will change, make actual changes to the storylines? Like somebody who attends now in 2022, if they go back in mm -hmm. 2027, is it going to be the same storyline and it's on to them? to make different decisions. And obviously Disney would have changed a few things here or there, or right. is it going to be completely different? Where I, it... I think it can definitely change. You know, we're always in an ever-changing environment. Um, my main complaint with Star Cruiser is that because of the price point, it's, it's definitely going to defer a lot of people from going, but it will defer the repeatability of it. Mm -hmm. um you know let, let's take the average visitor to walt disney world for example they save up and they have that room at coronado springs for example that they always go to because it's in their price point they can always do that star cruiser is different mm -hmm. first off it's only three days two nights so to the typical tourist that's going to come here the typical tourist comes to Walt Disney World for a week. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in that, they're getting three hotels. 
the star cruiser is as a stay but then they have to do a, a stay post star uh, post star cruiser and pre star cruiser as well so that may defer people as well there mm-hmm. may be a lot of people that just say i want to just stay one week one hotel that's it done okay um so that will hinder upon the repeatability as well because people may say, I don't want to keep doing this all the time. And again, the price point is a thing as well, that until this price point goes down, it's going to defer a lot of people. Personally, it's really just going to be a one and done for me if I ever do it, Um, mainly because of the price point. And even then, 5,000 is still a lot of money for someone like me. (laughs) You know, if they ever come out with a cast rate, then talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and like for... For me, what I've said is because I, when we go, we go for about a week um, and, and I'm not looking to switch hotels multiple times in the middle of our stay. The last time we went, we stayed at um, Art of Animation on the Skyliner. I'm telling I want to stay there or I want to stay somewhere on the Skyliner every time I go. If I stay. My in-laws are the same way. They used to always want to just stay at Port Orleans. French Quarter because they're from New Orleans. Okay, they they love the French Quarter because it makes them feel like home. Um, but we started having them stay at Pop Century when Port Orleans was closed. But they love the fact that the Skyliner's right there. Yes, it is a it is a mate. I mean, we typically stay off site, and but this time we stayed on site for a few days, and it was so fun for me as a parent to show, to have my kids see, to have my mom see, to have my wife see that, hey, look, you can get around and we never moved the car. Mm-hmm. You know, like we took a we took a, a, a bus to Magic Kingdom the first day, rode the monorail from Magic Kingdom to Epcot, rode the Skyliner back to our hotel. The next day did the same thing with Animal Kingdom, took a bus, took a bus back. But then we went to Epcot on the Skyliner and came back and the like, Kind of the coolest day logistically was you wake up, you take the Skyliner to Hollywood Studios, you take it over to Epcot, and then you're you're done for the day. Uh, it's amazing. Like so, so for me, if I ever did something like this, it would be on the level of like a graduation gift for one of my kids. Right. You know, because it is such a high price point, and, and Disney has become a high price point destination anyway for that that is that that keeps a lot of people out and since you brought it up um i've talked i've spoken to a few people uh, but i want to get your take on it as well um your take on genie plus and lightning lane and what that does to the guest experience and if youth if there's a situation being created that is could turn some people off to attending in the future. My problem that I personally, and again, this is me speaking. This is not the Walt Disney company (laughs) speaking. Um, My problem with Genie Plus is that there's not enough availability or inventory, if you will, for the experiences. That can be a blessing. That can be a curse. Because I will tell you this, I've played tested Genie Plus a couple of times in the parks over the past few months. Every time I'm going into the lightning lanes, I'm getting right in, mm-hmm. which is 
beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Personally, and I can't speak for every single cast member, attractions cast member on property. I don't think anyone is really having to worry about their merge ratios and everything. You know, one, one standby party to however many in the lightning lane and all that kind of stuff. Because there isn't that many people coming in through the lightning lane. Now, they're claiming that they're giving out the same number that they did with FastPass. Okay. Um, I, I've read those things on Twitter and everything, and, and it's kind of saying that. Personally, to me, I do not see that. I'm actually seeing less numbers. And you can even see that just by looking at, I mean, we could go to the tip board right now on the My Disney Experience app and just see, like, it's 1230 in the afternoon here. The park's been open for three and a half hours. But I bet you they're probably almost done with basically every lightning lane that's over at Hollywood Studios. Yeah, yeah. Magic Kingdom, like, you're probably looking at evening times for uh, the lightning lanes. Yeah. People are buying this. And I think the price point is actually fairly reasonable. Um, now, I can sit here and talk about, you know, the, the complaint that, oh, this was always free and everything. You know, FastPass was free. So why does it have to be a cost thing now? Every single theme park around the world has some sort of expedited line program that you have to pay for. And Let's take a look at Universal, for example. How much do they charge for an express? On average, $100 per person. So Disney could easily be doing that, but they're not. Now, I think the price point of $15 per person per day is reasonable. But my, my opinion has been this. FastPass was a failure because anyone who's anyone could get it, right? There was no obstacle, if you will trying to get one other than availability. Lightning Lane is different. There is an obstacle. It's called money. So people can pay for it if they want. If they don't, then they just wait in the standby lines. So now that's sending a lot less people to try and get a Lightning Lane. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are still more people trying to get it. And I think that's having a negative impact as well. Personally, me, I think it's time for a price hike on it. Okay. Disneyland is charging 20. And I see it out there. They actually might need to lower the price because mm -hmm. not that many people are doing it. It's supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, the, the thing that, that I noticed when I was there is that, and, and kind of to your point about, uh, about fast pass and fast pass plus, like, for someone who doesn't go a lot, um, when when I would go and see people go in their fast line with FastPass Plus, I would always think, okay, well, we're going to use ours later. And the same thing if you're walking in the FastPass Plus line, thinking, oh, you're, well, they're going to be able to use theirs later. This time, I was very. We did Genie Plus, we did Lightning Lane for certain attractions. Um, I was very aware that when we were walking in people, you know, and maybe they weren't, but in my mind, I was thinking, you know, people are saying, well, they're walking up because they paid for it. They're able to do that. So does that mean their experience is more important than my experience? Or do I need to spend this to go? And 
And will that ever lead to a situation where maybe a family who maybe they would have gone every two years. Now it's like, no, we're going to go every three or four years or somebody they're like, you know what? We're only going one time in our life. We can't, we can't afford to go anymore. Or unfortunately, and, and the people to who- me, that's personally what I think Disney is doing is they're, tr- they know how busy these parks are and they'd rather try and get less people to come and have a better overall guest experience for everyone. Okay. Um, I think telling someone, Hey, instead of coming every year, why don't you come every other year? And I think that might have a positive uh, input to the guest experience. You could do it that way, or you could take it a step further and build a fifth theme park here. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and and yeah, I mean, that's, that's always been, you know, it's about a year after animal kingdom opened, I think they started talking about it. You know, people started talking about it. I mean, that's the thing. Like if I have 150,000 people that are over there right now at Walt Disney world. Okay. Amongst four theme parks. Now make it five. Yeah. Yeah. Now you can spread the crowds out even more. Um, Real quick. This wasn't on the list, but real quick. If there was a fifth theme park and you were given, you were given blue sky what what would your idea be? Tokyo Disney Sea. Bring for Florida. Bring that over. Tokyo Disney Sea is, and I I have not been there. This is all based on pictures and video that I've seen. It is the greatest theme park ever conceived. The detail, the theming, it's incredible. Bring that in, and have IPs filling in the gaps with attractions and stuff like okay. that okay i think that's the winner okay. that could because universal's building an amazing theme park mm-hmm. just up the road from disney right now and i would have loved to have asked Chay peck yesterday during the shareholders meeting what are you doing in response to that yeah because Universal's going to bring in a lot of people because yeah. of that it's shaping up to be one of the greatest uh greatest things for central florida to ever happen yeah it's going to bring in jobs it's going to bring in more tourism but it's going to bring in the tourism to them not us well and so see like now you're you're in a now you're in an area that that i i write about rivalry i write about group behavior and and i've been fortunate enough to actually write a little bit about comcast and disney and, and everything there and and so like the history of like you mentioning Universal opening a park. I mean, the history of, you know, Walt Disney himself wanted a park because he saw what Universal City Studios was doing. And then the two started kind of going back and forth and they, they kept having to raise their game to each other. Flor- uh, um, Disney comes to Florida about 20 years later. Um, Universal comes to Florida. They, they keep raising each other's game that, you know, maybe this would be, maybe there is, a plan for what they would do. Maybe there is a fifth theme park because the, this was so. the emphasis. This was the emphasis for that. And and on the note of Disney Sea, because you mentioned that, and I've heard it's amazing as well. Um, that is another park where you actually can stay inside the park, mm-hmm. which is what's happening with 
in a way with Galactic Star Cruiser. You're not technically like you're not in Batu. You don't walk out at night and you're walking around Batu. Right. But you are on the grounds of um, Disney's Hollywood Studio. Do you see Galactic Star Cruiser as more of a? Is it more in line with the hotels at Disney Sea, or like the Grand Californian, where you have like a special access to? Disney's California Adventure in Anaheim. I would say, again, it's tricky because it's they're not billing it as the hotel experience. They're billing it as, you know, this is like an, and I don't even want to say the word add-on because it's not like you're paying extra for it. It's like this extra perk that you get to do. Okay. Um, I wouldn't necessarily, I'd take the California adventure entrance at grand California. Um, I take that as like a, a helpful addition, if you will. Okay. Um, if you take that entrance, then you can kind of get a little bit ahead of everyone else in the park. Cause maybe you can make it over to like um, radio Springs racers a little bit before everyone else. Right. You don't really have that opportunity with star cruiser because you're already getting those lightning lanes for Falcon and Rise of the Resistance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So unless in your rich mind that you want to have $5,000 to make sure that I can get over to Slinky Dog Dash before everyone else, which you do you if you want to do that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily compare it to something like that. Okay. Okay. Um, so starting to sort of wrap up with these and then we'll get to the rapid questions. Um, when, when people go on their, their trip to Batu, um, what, what kind of special access beyond or uh, special experience do they have in Batu beyond the lightning lanes? Like I know everybody, like you wear a pin when mm-hmm. you go to, to show that you are staying on the star cruiser. Um, What does that mean for, I guess, how has your role in Batu changed since this hotel or since the star cruiser has opened? Well, you know, we've had to learn the characters and theming of the Halcyon as well. Okay. Um, You know, for example, you know, they've said, Oh, you'll have people coming up to you saying, we have an urgent mission that we have to do for General Organa. And to us, that's, oh, you have your, your lightning lane for Rise of the Resistance. Come yeah. on up here, tap in and head on in there. And good luck on your mission. May the force be with you. Um, to, to a point, it hasn't changed much. Um, and we really want to get more of a knowledge of it because we're going to get those people to come up to us and ask us those questions. Um, they've used it to an extent uh, of what they told us with, well, think of it like the Disney cruise ship docks in Nassau and you go off on Nassau and you're, you're talking to the person that's in the straw market, which I would not even recommend <laughs> <laughs> about the Disney cruise in general. 
they don't really know so much about it because they're not on the ship. They're on the port, yeah. okay. if anything. And they want you to kind of think of it like that to a point. Okay. Um, however, first order, we know that you've come in contact with uh, Lieutenant Croy, who's on board the Halcyon. So we can use that to our advantage as well. Okay. Um, and I, I've already seen some of the videos of people riding Rise that are staying on the Halcyon. And, you know, they're coming in contact with some of these first order cast and they're talking about, you know, Lieutenant Croy. And I love that that's like, like a nice um, connection, if you will. Yeah. That people are getting like, oh, they know about him too. So, it, you know, it makes it feel even more real. Yeah. To a point. Yeah. And, you know, one thing with this, we mentioned active play earlier. And I think there's, the, there's a huge intersection to me of active play for people who are on the halcyon and also just people in general and and batu that you can it is very interactive if you want it to be Mm -hmm. and and i think there's a there's a intersection with active play and the immersion with like cosplaying um do you see when you are at batu um, as a cast member, do you kind of feel like you are cosplaying when you are working Smuggler's Run, when you're working Rise of the Resistance? Um, and then do you see, like, it, what do you think that does for people who who want to participate in cosplay um, that the fact now there is a Batu in California, there's an Avengers campus back in Florida, there's now the Halcyon that they it kind of opens people up. It opens the opportunities up to people who want to do this. Right. And you, you just said it right. It's, it's that immersive world that, you know, if people want to do this, they can. Um, and I, I absolutely feel that way. Like, you know, we, we have this role as almost cosplaying, you know, to work for Honda with Smuggler's Run. We're working with General Organa for the resistance. You know, we're working for, General Hux and the Supreme Leader on, as the First Order. We are most certainly getting that. Um, the problem that I see personally with Star Cruiser is that that's the only way to go into this. Is that um, Pete Warner said it right from the Diz. Mandatory fun. Okay. Unless you want to be a part of the experience to have that role to be a decision factor in the storytelling that you're getting do not do this okay because that is what you're getting with star cruiser um whereas on batu you have that opportunity to be wrapped into the story but then you also have the opportunity to not be if you want to You could easily say bright suns to a cast member and they will respond, they'll respond to you, bright suns, you know, and they'll respond to you as you're leaving till the spire, you know, all, all that. You can say that or you can say hello and goodbye. We'll, we'll get it because we can play that off too as the cosplayers by saying, oh, well, we've been studying your human yeah. dialect that, oh, sometimes you don't necessarily like to say bright suns. You like to say hello. Good morning. 
You don't necessarily like to say till the spire. You want to say farewell or goodbye. On the halcyon, though, I don't see that okay. as being a, a thing that will happen. They're going to want you to say good journey with them um, because you're wrapped into this story. Um, they're, you're living this entire experience and you playing a part has the ultimate consequence on this. Yeah. So if you're just going to sit back and just watch everything happen... I don't think you're going to get the big bang for your buck. Yeah. Okay. Okay. As, as a cast member in Batu, um, do you think there will ever be, um, will you, will cast members on Batu ever work on the Halcyon? Do you no. think in the future, there's ever going to be share more shared storyline, more shared experience where maybe I mean, somebody from point, Halcyon. Possibly. Yeah. But right now, like, the Halcyon cast are, are one division, we're a separate division. Okay. Um, if anything, like there have been mornings where Rise has, you know, it's technical problems that it does. And then we have Halcyon cast members coming over to assist their guests that are coming through with, you know, other things that they could do essentially throughout the two while okay. we're hopefully fixing the rod. Okay um and and the last time we went we went on the we went on rides to the resistance and it is it is amazing and i i i've seen the videos because i'm not a person who needs to i i go so infrequently that that i'm not gonna i don't need to wait and be surprised about things right. um and actually you know we had a lightning lane for it it did break down during the time we were supposed to go um, and when it opened back up, there was one of the scenes that was missing at the very, very end where Kylo Ren is standing there and then kind of gets like sucked out into space. Right. That that the um, the piece of the ship was already down covering him up. So nobody else in the party knew it, or at least and in my you party. saw him on his TIE fighter. Yeah. Outside. But, but I, I knew like, oh, OK, so that must have been one of the reasons that it was shut down. They couldn't get it up and running. They couldn't get that portion up and running, but I'm glad they didn't wait for every single thing to work in order for, to give us this experience. Because, you know, that's like a, that would be like a three second experience um, anyway. And it, it in no way negatively impacted any, anybody in my party's enjoyment of the experience as a, it, if anything, with two small kids, it maybe scared them a little bit less because uh, like my youngest son was already kind of standoffish with Kylo Ren and, and like his interactions during the, the ride anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so putting on your, your uh, hospitality hat, what do you think this is the, what's the impact of these immersive experiences and the Galactic Star Cruiser, what's the impact on the hospitality industry? It's opening up a new door, if you will. Um, I've always said, and I think I talked about this the first time uh, we had a discussion, um, when is immersion too much? Mm -hmm. 
Um, there are people that are going to want to do this. There are people that are not going to want to do this. It's finding ways to cater to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, is Star, you know, like I just said earlier, is Star Cruiser going to do that? No. I personally think Star Cruiser is appealing to a certain tiny market that the average Joe Schmo that wants to go to these places is not going to fall into that uh, little market there, if you will. Okay. So do I see them doing this to this type of a scale in the future with other IPs? I mean, you know, could I see them doing something like this with Marvel? I mean, it's possible, but what I think to the overall industry, you have to be careful to not appeal to a certain type of demographic, if you will. Um, you have to appeal to everyone. Okay. Well, on that note, is because of the size of Walt Disney World, and more importantly, because of the number of hotels and resorts at Disney World, can Walt Disney World do something like this where they do cater to a niche market, a niche of a niche of a niche market? Yeah. Who has a lot of money, who, has the, who can stay, who has the resources to stay there. Can they do that better than other companies that don't have the supply of resorts and hotels and everything? Are they better equipped for it, you think? Really, it's a it's a it's an interesting question. Okay. Um, because what I've said is this with the price point being what it is, it's not actually appealing to the true niche market that they want to appeal to. The okay. niche market are people like us, okay? Where we don't have this kind of money to really blow $5,000 for two nights, okay? The people that have that money to blow aren't necessarily the ones that are gonna want to be fully wrapped into the story like this. So I, it's gonna be interesting to see if they try and continue something like this. Okay. I think okay. this was Chapek and, and Josh Diamaro. They were all sitting down and saying, let's try this. Let's see if it works. Let's see if people want to do this. And we'll base this further in like five to 10 years and say, okay, was this really successful for us? Okay. Because I mean, $5,000 per room. And I told you there are a hundred rooms. Do the math. That's all. Yeah. That's yeah. some money that they're making every two nights. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so um, to keep on that, um, What's your advice for entertain, themed entertainment companies moving forward with immersion? You, you, you've you've kind of talked about it a little bit, but kind of if you had to give one point of advice to, to companies moving forward, what would it be? Be careful. Okay. Don't wrap yourselves too much into the immersion to, you know, like we've been saying, appeal to only a certain niche market. Um, you have to appeal to everyone. And that's what, what I always say is 
find those people that want to play play the part and you know wrap into the story with them but then the average joe schmo that walks walks in just make sure that they're having a good time yeah that's the most important thing okay and so on on that we have um rapid questions coming up in a bit uh i want to thank you for for sharing all of that um it like i said it it's great when whenever we get to talk um and and unbeknownst to you but i I, there's probably another three or four times that i think like oh i wonder this would be something really interesting I, i bet i could talk to matt about and um so I try to reach out to people when only every third or fourth time I think about talking to them. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking up people's too much people's time. Hey, you're um, totally fine. I got nothing else better to do as long as you're doing it on my days off. <laughs> um, well, so one thing I want to, I want to ask before we get the rapid question is on days off or even like, you know, like when your shift is over, how often do you go to the parks? I usually try and go at least once a week. Okay. I mean, I was just over at Magic yesterday yeah. to film Festival Fantasy coming back as a daytime parade. Do you, um, when you go, do you typically, is it you are creating content or are you going just to enjoy or is it a mix? Just to enjoy, really. You know, if I'm going to get some content, you know, yeah, that's like, I've always said with me and YouTube, it's a sideline thing that I always like to do. You know, if I want to film something, I'll be like, okay, well, let me go and do this. I can do that. But really 90% of the time, it's always to play. Okay. Okay. And I do want to point out that, um, and I, cause I didn't get to say this after um, when we were there in November, but um, you made me look really, really good in front of my two kids. I don't know if you remember, <laughs> I, I think, I think it was actually the day uh, no, it wasn't the day we were at um, Hollywood Studios, but we ended the day at Epcot. We Yeah, we ran into each other at Epcot. Yeah, like yeah. we're literally, me and my two boys are literally at this point, like running through World Showcase, trying to get to... Um, I think I was getting out of a rehearsal from Candlelight. I think yeah. it was. And and so we, we and, passed. And, and like, I didn't run into just you that night, but I ran into like so many people. I was <laughs> like, it took me, because our rehearsals are just right behind the Italy Pavilion. Yeah. It took me like, 30 minutes just to get from Italy to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, I, I, so we're, we're like running through trying to get a, 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 our mobile order, trying to get back to the hotel. We were trying to meet up with my mom and my wife that were over like in the France pavilion. So we got a long way to go. And then, yeah, I, I see you and I, I call out and um, I was uh, honestly, I was very, very impressed that it was dark. I don't think I had my mask on, um, but I, maybe I did. But that, like, as soon as you saw me, you recognized me, and you're like, "Hey, hey!" And so after and then we your leave, kids are probably like, "Wow, Daddy, you someone actually knows you." And when we leave, they're like, "Who's that? Is that your? How do you know that person?" I said, "Well, actually, like they've talked in the class before because they know I have a I teach a class on Disney." Right. I said, "They've spoken in a class before, but you know what? They actually work. They 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 are Batu like." they they're a cast member here and so we kind of talked about that i said sometimes they're the first order sometimes they're the uh, the the rebel and and or the resistance i should say and um so it made me it that exp- that exchange i think elevated their their thought of me 
um, that I knew somebody at Disney. So thank you very much for that. Um, I, I, I actually meant to, to reach out to you after that and then things just get kind of crazy and don't. So, (laughs) um, but so for the, the rapid questions, um, last time you were here, we talked mostly about the parks. Um, but what I want to focus in more on the thought of star Wars and the thought of the, the immersive activities. So the first rapid question, and, and as with these, you can explain if you want, you don't have to explain at all. What has been your favorite Disney plus star Wars project to date? Mandalorian. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, it, they, they really did a number with me when they brought in Luke. So, okay. And just wrapping it into the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Um, what are you on Disney plus? What are you most looking forward to from star Wars content on Disney plus Two, Kenobi. Okay. And Ahsoka. Okay. I think there's a lot of story that they can do with Ahsoka, especially where we saw her at the end of uh, uh, mm-hmm. the first episode that she was in with Mandalorian. Where's grand Admiral Thrawn. Okay. You've got a story that you can do here. Let's, let's see what you got. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there is a Thrawn series as well, so she can appear in. That's um, yeah. She can appear in various. I forgot. Situations I remember seeing that. Yeah. Um. So then, this could be Star anything Star Wars, Marvel, anything. What are you most looking forward to over the next year from Disney Plus? Goodness, too many. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm just really looking forward to anything that's coming out from Marvel, Star Wars, really anything. Okay. Um, even like, you know, any of the park projects that they can kind of come out with too mm-hmm. for Disney Plus, like, you know, the documentaries and everything like that. Because um, I think they're going to do like behind the attraction again, even though I kind of don't really care for the narration to that. But there's an infinite world of possibilities of what they can do with Disney Plus, And I'm game for anything. Yeah. Yeah. So to shift a little bit to the parks, what are you most looking forward to in the parks that you, that we know is coming? Definitely for Florida is going to be guardians. I think guardians is going to be a real game changer, not as much as a game changer that rise was, but my favorite thing that I'm looking forward to for central Florida overall is not a Disney. It's Epic universe for universal that, we haven't had a theme park come here since Islands of Adventure in 2001. Yeah. So over 20 years later, we're finally getting a new theme park. And that's, it's going to be something. Yeah. Well, and that's actually my, my next question was, what are you most looking forward to in themed entertainment? It could be parks. It could be any in the parks, outside of parks, anything. Looking into the future, um, like, what do you see that's coming that you're most interested in or want to see come to themed entertainment? I mean, definitely right now it's Epic Universe. Okay. Epic Universe really is going to be a game changer to Central Florida as a whole. Um, and like we talked about earlier, it could open the door for Disney to do a fifth theme park yeah. to see what they could do. Um 
you know, we, we talked about it earlier too with the whole rivalry and everything. All this benefits in the end is us as the, as yes. the guest. Yeah. You know, Universal could create their new theme park and then Disney could create a fifth theme park. And it, it's really competition between the two businesses, but it's benefiting us yes. yeah. because we're getting all these new stuff, which is yeah. incredible. And what's so interesting about themed entertainment or about, I should say, between Disney and Universal is like, if you look in a, a, a sport rivalry, or you look in a political rivalry or something like where there are, there's so much in-group bias and out-group derogation between, they're so intense between the groups um, that if you're a Boston Red Sox fan and the New York Yankees do something good for the New York Yankees fans, or they, they build a new stadium, that doesn't really it, like it, it could impact you and be better for you if Boston decides to build something else or, or fix up their stadium, but not to the same length or not to the same extent that like in the themed entertainment industry where you do have, if one park builds something, the other park feels this need to, right. to build something better. And, and where ultimately like at the end, it's the end consumer who is benefiting from all of this. Mm-hmm. Last thing. Um, you had mentioned about like being careful with immersive um, stays like Galactic Star Cruiser and everything. But if there, if they, if Disney or another company, anybody was going to open another immersive experience like Galactic Star Cruiser, and they asked you, you were given your opinion for what it should be, what would you say? for an immersive state if it was disney i think the next one that they need to do is marvel okay definitely marvel you can already look on youtube and see like the marvel days at sea that they do on Mm -hmm. disney cruise line um there's definitely potential with that if universal were to try and take this approach 100 do harry potter Mm -hmm. appeal to the big market that you you want like Disney wouldn't come out and just say, we're going to make a, a themed stay like this all to Fox and the Hound. Yeah. Okay. Or Universal would come out and say, we're going to do it for Fast and the Furious. And if you do, I'm going to smack you upside the head. <laughs> you have to appeal to the big market that you have. Star Wars is Disney's. Harry Potter is Universal's. Yeah. Okay. And, and I would, I would love to stay at like an Avengers compound. That would be a lot of fun. Um, or stay in the Hogwarts castle. Yeah. I, and so like my boys haven't really, I haven't exposed them to any of that yet because um, that's just, there's, there's so much there also. Um, but I eventually, yeah, eventually we're going to be, we're going to be doing that as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, those would be pretty fun experiences and, you know, Never say never. Maybe in the future we will have a stay at Galactic Star Cruiser. Uh, it won't be soon, I would say. I mean, same, same but. for me. I'm, I'm <laughs> eager to do it. Just give me a discount first. Yeah. Um, That's oh, a lot of money. The last thing that I actually did forget to ask early on. Um, do you think with the, the media access or the media preview, do you think four hours was enough to give people a clear 
vision of what a stay would be like? Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. There were a few media people, uh, Attractions Magazine, uh, The Diz. They got the opportunity to do a full okay. in-depth stay, whereas some of us only got four hours. Okay. Um, and they tried to show us as much as they could, but there were a lot of aspects that we didn't get to see. Yeah. We didn't get to see the transport to take us to Batu. We didn't get to see the climate control room that they okay. have. Um, so there were a lot of things that we missed that we didn't get the opportunity to do. And that could, to a point, have what could potentially be a negative output to your experience. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and um, so thank you for doing this. Um, it's always thank you great for having to, me again. And um, for, for anybody who wants to keep up with what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Darth Vader 92. Um, I usually try and keep my Facebook profile just to people that I would personally kind of know, but feel free. If you want to reach out to me, you can follow me through there as well. Um, and also follow me on YouTube, Darth Vader 92.com. I'll take you right over to the YouTube channel. All right. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for this, Matt. Um, this was a great time. Enjoy the rest Thank of your you, day. Buddy. Bye. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Being a Fan of Disney podcast. I'm your host, Cody Haber. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining us and for listening and to say that I hope you found the information, whether content covered in class, special content related to the class, or visits and interviews we had with guest speakers, fun, informational, entertaining, and even inspiring. If you want to follow along with the class and see where we're going in the future, you can do so by following me on Twitter at chavardphd. That's C-H-A-V-A-R-D-P-H-D. And you can also follow along by joining the public group on Facebook, Being a Fan of Disney. If you want to engage with any of the guest speakers we've had in class, their contact information is available in each of the show notes. So again, Thank you for joining us. It was a lot of fun. It's always great having you with us. And please, if you like what you hear, share with other people so that others can engage with each other, possibly learn more and explore more about their Disney fandom and their love for all things Disney related. So with that, I'll say thanks for joining us again. And please have a great day.